Well, this morning uh, we have a special treat. We uh, have Dr. Jeremy uh, Prather coming to preach for us and give us God's word. Um, I first met Jeremy um, at a presbytery meeting. It's just a denominational group that meets outside of the confines of Sunday morning worship. Jeremy shared his story. I think the whole entire room of 200 men, eyes were really, really wide open, not just to behold a story that seems powerful, um, but really a story that points to the power that is found in Christ to change a man, to take him from dead, to make him alive. Jeremy's um, testimony is nothing short of amazing. Jeremy's um, involved in many things. He's in, he serves us in our denomination um, in, a, in an agency called MNA. Jeremy also has a vibrant prison ministry that he'll be um, sharing a little bit about, but really I'll be sharing with you after service. And um, Jeremy really loves the Lord. And so we're so glad to have you here, brother. Why don't you give him a warm welcome, and uh, we'll have you up. God bless you. God bless you, man. Thank him all. I am. What a blessing to be with y'all today. Uh, thankful to Pastor Martin uh, for inviting me out. And um, such great hospitality here. Love it. One thing that uh, really just stood out to me during worship was the second song. And this kind of ties in with my message today, so I wanted to say it. Just something the Lord just put on my heart. One of the lyrics said, Jesus, to know you to know you more. What a powerful statement. And that will be the heart of the message today. It won't be the title, but it will be the heart. All right. We'll be in uh, Philippians today. If you want to turn there, um, we'll be in chapter 3. Verses 12 through 16. And I would just ask, uh, before the reading of God's word, I would ask that you would just prepare your mind and prepare your heart for the reading and the preaching of God's word today. This is God's word to us. Starting in verse 12. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and, and if and in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for your endless love. Your grace abounds to us. It reaches into the places seen and unseen. Lord, I just pray that you would straighten my thoughts, that you would straighten my words, that your word may go forth and it may fall on the hearts of its hearers that lives may be changed for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, we thank you, we honor you, and praise you in your son's name. We pray, amen. My proposition to you today is this right here. We pursue Christ because Christ has already 
pursued us. My brothers and sisters, Paul is writing to the Philippians to encourage them to find joy in their pursuit of Christ. What is interesting, though, Paul is the one setting in prison, could be facing certain death, but his circumstances do not hinder his love for Christ's church and to see them flourish even amid adversities. Paul expresses what we call the tension of the already and not yet. And in this time and space, we will face challenging times, both personally and collectively. But we are to hold true to the fact that he who began a good work in us will complete that work at the day of Christ. Our union with Christ has benefits now. We are saved. And we experience the benefits of that salvation, such as the resurrection power of Christ. We are also being saved day in and day out. What is important, and one day we will experience the fullness of this salvation when we see Christ face to face in a state of glorification. What is important to understand uh, is that it is evident in these passages right here that Paul is focused, completely focused on our, on our progress as Christians and our pursuit of Christ. Paul demonstrates to us that our aim in life is to be Christ himself. Paul knows that him or, or I or us, we could never perfectly attain to this. But in the same respect, he presses on. He presses on in sanctification, not for self-satisfaction, but to grow more in Christ. Also, I would say that if you're not a Christian, if you haven't crossed the threshold of belief in Christ, maybe there's questions. Maybe you have lots of questions. Maybe you have some doubt. I say to you, take comfort. Take comfort because it is evident that Christ is pursuing you. Why do I say that? If it were not so, you would not be right here today. Paul has in view our responsibility to grow in maturity in Christ. And suffering is a means to accomplish our Christ-likeness. We are Christ ambassadors. And we are called to witness his mercies everywhere we live, work, and play. We will look at these passages today with three main points. Point one, the pursuit of Christ, verses 12 through 14. Point two, keep pressing on in Christ, verse 14. And point three, growing up in Christ, verses 15 and 16. Point one, Paul explains the reality that we are not perfect in this world. There is no perfect person in this world. Only one perfect man ever walked this earth, and that is Jesus Christ. The conflict that Christians face is that we have already been freed from the power of sin. We have been freed from the judgment of sin, but not yet free from the presence of sin. Paul refutes any concept of perfectionism in our lifetime. 
But there is coming a day when we, when we will be perfected and we shall see perfection face to face. What exactly is Paul referring to when he says, to make it my own? Paul is referring to what he had previously said in verses 9 through 11. And listen to this. This is what he said. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul has his eyes on the prize. He is running this course in life to reach that prize, and that prize is Christ himself. Being conformed into his likeness, the goal of every Christian is to be like Christ. We should never let the past chain us down, for we are to set our minds and our hearts on the object of our affection, Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here that all the things that he, had, that he has had in the past, such as the things that he mentions in verses 3 and 4, right, the great resume, right, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, a Hebrew, all this set at the feet of Gamaliel, right? He had all this great resume. That's not his focus. His present circumstances, being in prison and facing death, is not the most important thing. Trust me, I've been there. No, it's not the most important thing. Paul has his focus completely on Jesus Christ, even in the, in the midst of facing death. And he stays focused on him. And he strains towards him every day, regardless of what his circumstances look like. He stretches himself out. He stretches himself out every day to cross the finish line of that day. So that when he does reach the final end, he can proclaim. And not only him, but the word says we, we will be able to proclaim this too as well. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. For all of us who are in the covenant body of Christ, the one thing that we are to do is press on each and every day. We are to press on towards that day when we will be in heaven with Christ. Furthermore, we must understand that Paul is not saying that we cannot, that we cannot remember the past mercies and blessings of God. No, he's not saying when he forgets those things that are behind that we, can, we forget the blessings and mercies of God. No, what he is saying is, is that we are to forget those things that entangle us or trip us up in our pursuit of Christ. We are to forget those things that entangle us or trip us up in our pursuit of Christ. Amen? Amen. Point two, keep pressing on in Christ. 
Paul puts a stop to what we would call easy believism. With these words, he says, I press on. See, there is something called the doctrine of compatibility, um, which is a simple definition is that, yes, God is completely sovereign, completely providential at work in the lives of everything. Right? Man has a, rep- a responsibility. And as, and as children of God, we are to press on in Christ Jesus. There is no let go and let God in Paul's theology. That is bad theology. What there is, though, is that there is a determined intentionality in obeying God, turning to God, and pursuing holiness in our lives. Jesus has stated, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15. This is the responsibility of all believers, that we walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believers do not press on aimlessly or blindly, for we have God's word. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit to guide us. And as we run this course in life, then as we cross the threshold of heaven, do we lay completely on the prize? Do we lay hold completely the prize, Jesus Christ? One of my favorite, uh, when I was going through seminary, I started you know, developing favorite authors. We kind of do that going to seminary. And one of my favorite authors is Sinclair Ferguson. This is what he had to say about this verse. Every Christian is called upward in Christ Jesus. Just as men and women are called up for military duty in times of war. This all comes with an absolute authority. But think what it means. The great God is here, summoning us to enter his presence through the work of his son. God wants us to be in heaven with him. Amen? This will bring us to our last point, growing up in Christ. As I was wrestling through this text, and uh, especially this point right here, the first question that popped up to, to me is, who is Paul talking about when he states those of us. Those three little words, those of us. Paul is speaking about the mature brothers and sisters at Philippi who already know the truth and live accordingly to the truth. I believe firmly that Paul is talking about growing in maturity through, through sanctification. John 17, 17 states, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So how do we grow in maturity? We grow in maturity through the illumination of God's word. We grow in maturity by the illumination of God's word. And we become more like Christ through the work of his Holy Spirit in our lives. We can look at this through an analogy. When athletes train for a sport, they must train, they must train according to their sport. You don't go out and train uh, for football by practicing basketball. While practicing basketball might have some benefits to it, but it's not football. It's the same way with Christians. It's the same way with Christians. We must train accordingly to God's word. 
and what he has laid out for us. The athlete must be disciplined to grow in their sport and finish well. It takes an intentionality on our part to grow in Christ. It takes an intentionality on our part to grow in Christ. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians. Listen to this. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one box in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. It's the same for believers. Once we are brought to the knowledge of truth, then we are to continue in the way of truth. As we run this race towards the prize, we cannot expect it to be easy. Life has challenges. Life has challenges. To think about this specific text that we're in now, in context, Paul, he's, he's writing in the context of suffering. He's sitting in a prison cell, facing death, and his worries are not, how am I being treated by the guards? Uh, am I going to be released? And, and what's going to happen? Am I going to live or am I going to die? No. You, he, you know what he's worried about? Christ's church and them growing in the knowledge of the truth of who Christ is. And so he sets aside all the things that are going on with him to focus completely on the church at Philippi and to see them flourish and grow in the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There will be obstacles, obstacles and there, there will be adversities to face in this lifetime, but we do not face them alone, for truly God is with us. God is with us. And God has brought us together. We're not left to our own selves. That's not Christianity. Christianity is community. It is covenant. It is a body. The hand cannot say to the foot that I, do, I don't need you. Think about if you was to ever go and visit or, or speak with someone that has served in war and they have lost a limb, a tragedy. Could you imagine asking that person, well, did you really need your hand? What do you think his response would be? Or her, her response, either one. But we are not alone. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is Jesus Christ. God gives us assurances in these moments that even when circumstances look like a dead end road, it is not. And he is using it for our good. And I will share this right here. There's times when I thought my life was at a dead end road. Three times in prison. 20 years served in the Georgia Department of Corrections. 
what society would call a three-time loser. I was facing a life sentence. I thought my life was gone. But God, he is with us. And he was with me. He came to me through, through another inmate who thought it enough to share the gospel with me. And, and I was a Muslim. I was Muslim for nine years. I'd been practicing Islam for nine years. Me and this guy went at it for nine months, back and forth, him sharing the gospel, me refuting it, like just going against him, almost to body blows at times. But Jesus won. But Jesus won, and my life was radically changed, and my life was for Christ from that day forward. No, God is with us no matter where we're at in our situations in life. Whether you're in prison, whether it's just life in general, God is with us and he gives us assurances and he uses all things for our good to grow us in Christ, to bring us to Christ. And I would also say that we must allow the pain and the suffering that we experience in this world, we should allow them to produce maturity in us, in our pursuit of Christ. It is through these that the prize seems that much sweeter. I'm not saying that we work for the prize, but the prize is definitely worth working for. When Christ gets a hold of your life, don't, don't everything just magically become perfect? No, it don't. There's still challenges. There, there's still pain. There's still suffering. But the prize is before us. And we have our eyes on the prize as we strain towards him each and every day. So why is the pursuit of Christ important for us? I have three suggestions for you. Suggestion one, in our pursuit of Christ, we must remember this promise right here. He who began a good work in you will complete that work. That is a promise to you. We are to hold on to the assurance of this promise everywhere we live, work, and play. In every situation of good times or bad times, he will complete his work. Suggestion number two, allow your past shortcomings and present situations, whatever it is that you're just different for each person. We all go through different things, but we can relate to one another. We have a great high priest who can sympathize with our ever need, right? He knows what we go through. Allow your past shortcomings and your present situations to be a means to rest in grace, as the body, we get so, sometimes we get so busy with wanting to try to find solutions to our problems, and God is saying, just rest in my grace. Suggestion number three, adversities and suffering do not separate us from Christ, for there is nothing in all of creation that can separate you 
from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. No hurt, no pain, no shame. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So use the adversities and the sufferings that you go through Use them to draw you closer into relationship with Christ. Embrace the turmoil of your life because God is going to bring something great out of it. And that greatness is going to be Christ-likeness. In conclusion, the title of this sermon is The Pursuit of Christ. So what does that mean? What exactly does that mean? It means that our salvation is Jesus Christ himself. And it has a process with an intended goal to be like him. To be like him. And we are in union with Christ. He has us. You are possessed right now by Christ Jesus. And the flip side of that is that we have him. We lay hold of Jesus Christ. So we are to pursue to be like him with every breath that you take in this life. Each breath I take, Jesus, let me be more like you. Each breath that you take, Jesus, let me be more like you. As we live in this tension of the already and not yet, we live in the assurance that God's plan of redemption is accomplished and it is applied. It is accomplished and it is applied. And I would say for those who haven't, like I said earlier, crossed the threshold of belief in Christ, you should take a deep look at why you're sitting here today because I will tell you it's because Jesus drew you and he is pursuing you. Therefore, Pursue Christ. We press on in Christ every day, and we grow in Christ every day. Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Yep, thank you.